Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Sandeep Jain, co-founder and CEO at Monetize Now. Sandeep, welcome to the show. Hey, Ben. Excited to be here. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah, great to have you. I'm excited about this and with the product that you're putting out there. So let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about your background. Right. My background is kind of mix of engineering, product, and sales, which is kind of a weird background. Typically, people do engineering and product or sales. But I decided early on in my career that I want to start a company. And having that sales mindset was very important for me in the sense that you should not be paid bonus unless you, <clears throat> excuse me, close a deal. And which like if you're an engineering a product, you get a customer bonus. And so that's the reason I made the transition into sales. I worked on like different industries as well. So I worked in networking, not the social kind, but the actual computer networking. Computer networking, yep. And then into security. And I did a bit of mobile advertising as well. And then I did podcast distribution. And now I'm in the deepest annals of the enterprise tech, which is very interesting, which is revenue operations. And so my journey has been across different islands, if you will. And I think it gives a unique perspective that you don't come from that field, but you come from a fresh perspective. And I strongly believe that that mindset allows you to look at things differently and make not incremental, but exponential changes. And that's how Monetize Now got started as well. Yeah, that's great. Really interesting background with those different experiences. So a lot of technology. And so is this your first company that you founded or have you started up previous companies or were these um, all startups? This is the decent one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, most recent one. My previous one was more of a solopreneur kind of journey. I was the product manager. I was the marketer. I was the engineer. And it was in a podcast distribution space. And the biggest problem that I encountered in that space, even though I still have customers using that product right now and paying me money, FYI, which are parents, by the way. But the biggest problem I think in that space was the market size or podcast is, is not huge. And that's the number one lesson for any founder is understand the market size before you jump in. Now, you can still do revolutions in that space. Like I still believe podcasting can use some new technology. But what that means is you will have a hard time raising money. You might have a harder time getting employees. So it's a different playground. I'm not saying that's a bad playground, but at least be aware of what what battleground are you in? Just don't go with that. I'm going to raise money. I will have employees. No, no, you picked up a new market. So a new market is a much harder than an existing market. Yeah. Yeah. No, great advice there. And we'll talk about fundraising lessons, tips, and tricks in a bit. So tell us, you know, appreciate that background, very background engineer, product sales, and tell us a little bit about the products and services that Monetize Now offers. Right. So Monetize Now, we started, once again, my journey was not like build a better product. I was not even building Monetize Now. So the company started out of serendipity. I was actually building or planning to build a product in customer support space, like a better Zendesk or a Salesforce, what is it called? Service Cloud. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to this lady at Zendesk and, and my goal is to build a billion dollar revenue company. Like what's the North Star? What's the non-negotiable? That's my non-negotiable. And she listened to my idea. She listened to my North Star. And she said, Sandeep, your idea is good. But if you want to build a billion dollar revenue company, why don't you fix billing? I'm like, what the hell is billing? 
what is so hard about billing? It's a charge on a recurring basis. How hard can that problem be? So Sandeep, you're, you don't know this problem. We're using Zora, we're using Salesforce CPQ. You don't know these products, but these products are not built for SaaS. And we have a hard time connecting these systems. We have a hard time making money and everything is slowed down. We have looked around, nothing exists. We have even tried building this product internally. It's just a huge nightmare. And what struck me with that 30 minute conversation was the problem she talked about was in the path to revenue. And if a B2B SaaS company like Zendesk is facing that problem, by extrapolation, all B2B SaaS companies would have some variation of that problem. I just didn't know how big that problem is. I didn't know what the real problem is. So, but I knew that if somebody solves that problem, this could be interesting. So I went on a three month spree on LinkedIn to talk to anybody related to that space. And I realized the problem was that CPQ and billing systems were separate and that was causing the big problem. Anyhow, that's a very long answer to your short question about what does Monetize now do? So we are in the business of building a revenue operations platform for B2B SaaS companies. Now, what that means is we are doing coding for your sales reps. We are doing self-serve for your product-led growth. We are doing billing and invoicing like your NetSuite, Zora, and Stripe do. We are doing usage billing, which we believe needs to be done by this product and not an additional product. There are probably like 15 startups in the usage billing space. So, so we are a system of record for revenue operations. Maybe I should have started with that, but I thought I'll give yeah, some no. Yeah, really helpful because I think, you know, you think about billing, invoicing, and a lot of products out there are built for a distinct go-to-market motion. And you mentioned, right, SLG, PLG, usage-based, just different things that sometimes they, the breadth of that is hard. So you're saying really you can handle any type because that go-to-market motion sometimes dictates, you know, how we invoice, how we bill. So it sounds like you can really go into B2B SaaS and whether they're self-service or an enterprise outbound motion, you can handle that process. Exactly. And I'll tell you one thing which was really drove me to start this company. And I think this is probably true for any CFOs or CEOs you talk about. For every dollar in product license that you spend on tools in this space, like your CPQ billing usage, you're spending three to four dollars in connecting these systems on an annual basis. Because whenever you want to do a go-to-market change, a pricing change, like can my CPQ handle that? Can my billing handle that? No. Oh, let's build a custom logic. Let's call the professional services. And every time you call them, it's like diminishing returns because they just take care of that problem and not anything else in the future. And I think that's absurd. That's shocking because as CEO of my company, I should be held accountable for building my product and go to market. And I should assume that the operations is like electricity. It's flexible. It's malleable. It can power a one's room house. It can power your Empire State Building, and the revenue operations is not structured like that. It's full of plumbing and manual plumbing. So that's the problem that I got attracted to solve. Yeah, no, it's a big problem. And, you know, it's it's getting more complex as pricing evolves in SaaS. And, and so your initial ICP right now, of course, you're going after SaaS, you're going after B2B SaaS. And then what about any other characteristics here, you know, enter, you know, Fortune 500 down to startups, or, or do you have a certain focus within B2B SaaS right now? Uh, in B2B SaaS, our focus is uh, zero to 100 million revenue companies uh, right now, because we want to have, there's a lot of need in that space right now. 
Um, if you go above like a billion dollars revenue companies, they're having huge problems, by the way. They are spending north of, I know a public company that does about 10 billion in revenue. They have a team of about 100 engineers on CPQ. There is a public company that does 3 billion in revenue, product-led growth company. They have a team of 300 people on top of Stripe building their CPQ and billing. That's absurd in today's world if you have that much headcount in developing these systems. It's it's shocking. Yeah, let, let's talk about that just for a second because do you think when you talk to these prospects and customers and just discovery calls, do you think that's happening because they've gone so far down the road of some customized solution, pulling things together, integrations that they just, it's, they go past that point of no return that it would just be so painful to unwind all that? Yes and no. Yes, because of what you're talking about. The thing is, they are looking back. Like if you're on the board of that company, right? And talk to the CEO, why you're not growing revenue? Why you don't have a partner reseller motion? Why are we not selling in euros? If the CEO says, look, my revenue operations is not, is not there. And what are you going to do? You're going to call the top consulting firms. And what are they going to tell you? Well, you should be having consumption-based pricing. Okay. Can we operate on that? No, because the tooling does not support that. So everything boils down to the tooling. And so the companies, I believe, and their revenue have been unfairly held hostage to the inability of their revenue operation stack. And the problem is not because the vendors are bad. The problem is that vendors had designed this for a non-SaaS world where your CPQ was different because it was being sold to head of sales. The billing is head of finance, hence it has to be two separate products, right? Because in a non-SaaS, you do one deal, there is no amendments, there's no proration, in the SaaS, there is the cycle of the deal. And the tools are now required to work with each other, which is not the case for the non-SaaS world. And I believe the vendors have missed that simple yet powerful observation that to, to do the land and expand for the SaaS, all these pieces need to come together. And I think that's the biggest miss in this space. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just so, yeah, it's evolved so much. And yeah, like you said, like product teams get creative marketing sales gets creative for the pricing and plans and modules and features. And now we go back to the CFO and the finance and accounting function to support that. And like you said, it's like, well, we actually can't invoice that way. We can't track it, you know, which becomes a problem. So that flexibility in the back office. So key. I'll, uh, I'll give you one, one of the data points yeah. and it was kind of amazed to me. Do you know how much revenue Zora makes and how much revenue sales for CRM makes? Salesforce CRM is just a database of customers. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just trivializing it, but at the end of the day, it's a database of that. That product itself, one CRM, probably 20% market share in the CRM world. It's just 4 billion in product revenue, 4 billion. Zora, which is the, arguably the biggest name in subscription economy on the billing side, they make 400 million, I don't know, something around those lines. In this economy, post COVID, through COVID, right? I think the company of that magnitude should be making like a 10 billion in revenue. And the reason is partly because they're looking at a billing and not the CPQ and this entire thing is not very frictionless. And that I find very absurd and that I think needs to be corrected in some way. Yeah, well, this is near and dear to my heart as a SaaS CFO, so <laughs> I love it. So what year did you found Monetize Now? 
In my head, it was founded in 2020 because that's when I did the research and talked to people. But COVID was happening at that time and whatnot. So officially, the company got started in Feb 2021. So about two years. In a okay. And what's where are you guys located right now? Are you virtual? Do you have a headquarters? It's post-COVID. It's all virtual. So yeah, yeah. I'm like through Airbnb. There's no need to meet unless you really need to meet. So um, um, and and where are you where are you based out of then for the most part? I'm in Santa Clara. That's where I okay. live. Some of our employees live here. We are distributed across the United States. Mm-hmm. We have a small presence in Asia in Bangladesh as well. Okay. And then what's your current team size right now? We are 21 people as of today. Okay. Yeah. And then anything you want to share around your scale or ARR size? We started selling late last year when we had some design partners. So we had an early stages of revenue. We have 12 plus customers right now. And yeah, last quarter we signed deals to replace Zora and Stripe billing, you know, that for companies that are doing heavy revenue. So that was a pretty amazing feat for a company of our size. And look, we, if you compare us with other like pure billing vendors, we may have less features. We will have less features, mm-hmm. right? But from an architecture perspective, we are the best tool out there. And that's why teams are picking us because they know revenue operations is not constant because you, you will evolve. So whatever product that you're choosing today is actually you're choosing for the next five years. Mm-hmm. So you rather bet on the architecture than a point in time on the features. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was our pitch, by the way, but the customers are embracing it. And so that's very heartening to see. Yeah, I like that. I like that pitch. And in the early stages, a handful of customers right now, but replacing you know big brand names, tell us a little bit about your go-to-market motion. Is it through your current network? Are you reaching out? Tell us a little bit about how you're finding these early customers. Yeah, we, it's interesting how we are getting our customers because none of our customers were friends and family because I didn't come from this space, by the way. I was not a finance or a salesperson that I can call up my friends. Hey, buddy, I started the company. Can you just, you know, quote unquote, try my product and do me a favor? I had no, I had no favors to call on. My first design partner was a cord reference from a venture capitalist who said, Sleep, you, you promised to solve a problem of a big company. Well, here is one. And they looked at our product. They compared us with the, the big names, Deal Hub, I don't know, the Salesforce CPQ at that time. And they said, we are going to bet on you. And I was surprised. This was three months after our founding the company. Mm-hmm. So I had promised them that I'll have the demo of the product ready in a month. That's every founder does, by the way. And no founder gets the demo ready in time. And I got a call from this customer three months later. Sandeep, you promised me a demo. Where the hell is that? I'm like, oh my God, like I'm a nobody. Like we just started and a customer and this company is doing really big in revenue. They're coming to us, which means the problem is big. We did the demo. They liked the architecture. They said that I told them, look, you're not going to use the product tomorrow because we need to build things for you. It's like, okay, we are ready for the journey with you. And they have been an amazing partner for us. So yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And then how much capital have you raised to date? Right. So our first round we did in 2021, that was pre-seed for 3 million. And at that time, the biggest risk for the company was, look, are you guys nuts? Are you trying to build three products in one? Mm-hmm. You're trying to build a CPQ company, you're trying to build a billing company, and you're trying to build a usage billing company. 
And by the way, not all of these three verticals, there are several companies there. And my, my reply to that was, it's not because we want to build three companies in one. So I don't have a fascination to build that, right? I think the right way to build this product is this way only. And that's why we should build this. But that's the number one risk for the company at that time. But we built the MVP in one and a half years. A system that does CPQ billing and usage, of course, with not all the bells and whistles, but things that the design partner can use. And once people saw that, once people talked to the customers, the design partners, or the investors, and they said, well, look, there's something there. And one unique thing happened was we were talking on it with an investor and he said, well, talk to my portfolio company. And it's like, okay, let's get feedback on these guys. And as part of that call, the CRO said, I'm going to replace what I have and I want you. And the investor like, what the hell does just happen? So we raised 4 million in uh, September last year, and which we haven't announced as yet, but probably I think that's how we, uh, yeah. So that's the mm -hmm. second round that we raised uh, last year. Okay. Okay, great. So pre-seed round three million, and then how would you characterize this round a seed round for four million? Yeah, I just yeah, make make a like the next round. Yeah, <laughs> I like to put names to those rounds. So, so that's great. So what? Tell us a little bit about you know, say with this recent round, you know, what triggers or milestones did you see that said we're ready for this next round of capital? I think for this the the our previous round, the big thing was like, can you even build the product? So that was the first round deliverable. The mm -hmm. second one's round was, well, looks like the product is ready. The design partners are super happy. And can you scale this now? So that capital that we raised is allowing us to scale. So we like, we have 5X customers than we had at the lot, like last year, from the last year. We replaced Stripe and Zora, as I was telling you earlier. Mm -hmm. And so we are now spreading our wings, as I like to call it. And and scale means a lot of different things to different people. So at your stage, does scale mean just building out your product team or building out a formal go-to-market motion, hiring sales and marketing? What what does scale mean at, at your at your stage? The way I think of scale, and I think the things that you talked about was more internal operation side, but I like to think of scale in terms of external, what it means. So how many customers are using our beachhead? Because we build this entire thing together, right? And CPQ is sort of the beachhead. So how many customers are using our CPQ? How many customers have using the entire CPQ to billing, right? So those are the metrics that I, I care about deeply. Okay. And then with the, the 7 million raised to date, any lessons learned along the way that you'd like to share with other founders who are going through maybe the same process right now? I think the biggest lesson that, or the biggest observation I should say is What's happening in the industry is uh, I see a lot of CEOs that have engineering background. They have no sales experience. And I think the problem with that approach is it was okay in a good economy because you build a product, you have two early customers. It's like, okay, we'll fund you more. But at this stage right now, it's all about traction. You may have raised whatever money Right, And if you go out in the market, either you have revenue, you have customers, there needs to be some sort of T word in your story. right? And if you are not talking traction, if you're not selling your product every waking second of the day as a CEO, there is a problem. 
And I see most CEOs being engineering focused, they invest a lot in product, which is good, by the way, because you have to do that. But that's table stakes. What you have to flip the bit is I'm not going to build a product. Maybe my co-founder is going to help me do that. I'm going to be selling this thing day in and day out every second. I, I, that's my biggest advice. And mm-hmm. even I tell that myself because I get attracted mm-hmm. on the product side, which I have to, but got to sell. You got to sell. You got to sell. And it's hard to sell in this economy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, yeah, great advice and traction. And then, of course, that means a lot of, you know, like you said, revenue customers talking to open source, it's just, you know, the number of downloads, you know, but showing that traction and moving forward. Yeah. So, what's uh, currently kind of, yeah, at your stage, do you have a favorite number or metric that you're focused on right now to, to manage and guide the business? Like, number of deals closed. Yeah. yeah. And in our business, uh, ARR. So we have a very sticky product, by the way. Imagine like how many times you've replaced a billing system. That actually worked. <laughs> so in our case, if we do the initial sale, it's going to be extremely hard to replace us because it works and we allow the companies to grow. And we price on a percentage of revenue as well. So I think the, the leading metric for ARR for us is number of customers. Happy customers, not just customers, happy customers. To me, customers and happy customers should mean the same thing. But by saying happy customers, it forces you to in a different space. If we do that, ARR is going to be a trending or or a backward looking metric. I don't know whatever the right word. Lagging, yeah, yeah. Okay, so deals closed, happy customers moving the company forward. So appreciate that insight, Sandeep. So as we wrap up here, what's next for Monetize Now? What's coming up that's new and exciting? Yeah, as I shared, we have signed deals to replace Zora and and Stripe. So we are seeing a lot of competitive replacements happening through the company. Some big names that I can't share as of now. We are talking to companies with, this is super exciting for for me, because we are not reaching out to these customers, but we have companies with more than 100 million in revenue talking with us right now, how we can help them. We have a company that's, it's a public company in Europe that does 10 billion in revenue that's speaking with us. So I'm excited to see that companies are recognizing that this is a problem area. And you know, they're not going to say, I'm going to blast all of my revenue operations and have monetized now. That's not the right approach. It's an incremental approach on how you can solve that problem. So that's exciting for me as a CEO. Yeah, that's exciting. So Sandeep, really appreciate your time and sharing your experience today. If listeners would like to learn more about monetize now, where should we send them online? Well, they should be smart enough to figure out the email, which is my first name at monetizenow.io. <laughs> you can always go to the website and, you know, if you want to talk more, schedule a meeting, but send me an email, connect me on LinkedIn. Those are the ways, best ways to reach out to me. Perfect. And it's in the URL is monetizenow.io? That is correct. Okay, perfect. So if you'd like to learn more, reach out to Sandeep at monetizenow.io. And Sandeep, really appreciate your time and sharing your experiences. Thank you for having me, Ben. Hope that was useful. (laughs) That was great. Appreciate it.